I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined for episode 216 of the show by my friend and co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keats, what's up, my man? Not much. Happy to be here on a nice, sunny Monday. Got a day off. Got a chance to take a little breath. Soak it all in. That's Feeling nice. Good. Feeling good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all good stuff right there. Yeah, everybody's kind of getting a breather here. So you're getting a breather in your own life. Um, you know, the Red Sox are getting a breather here. Um, getting a day off on Monday, so that's kind of nice. And they get a second rare day off uh, this week, which I'm sure you and Shelly touched on in your uh, pre-cap podcast. But, you know, having Thursday off is kind of interesting, too. That's It's been a little bit of time since they've had that. Yeah, I'm just glad that it, it keeps still everything stays lined up. You know, got day off, two game series, and day off, and then we still got a normal weekend series there. So for the holiday weekend. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be good stuff. Um, so we're going to get you caught up on a lot of Red Sox things today. 
But it seemed like a great time to kind of uh, check in with the division at this point. Red Sox are now tied with the Tampa Bay Rays for first place in the division. Um, And a lot of the reason for that is the fact that Tampa Bay has just rattled off 10 straight wins. Uh, The Yankees are also just a half back of those two teams after winning six games in a row themselves. And uh, those three teams, the Red Sox, Tampa Bay, and the Yankees, uh, have the top three records in the American League, and they're all in the same division. So I thought that today's episode would be a fun time for us to look at the division. We're going to look at each team's lineup, each team's rotation, bullpen, and team defense, and then Keaton and I are going to individually rank those categories, one through five, and then rank them overall for how we think these teams stack up uh, moving forward. Because, you know, this could be one of the more exciting uh, divisional races that we've seen in a division in a long time. We actually have an update. Oh. Because Tampa Bay and Toronto played this afternoon. Oh, yes, the Rays that's right. are now in sole possession of first place. Ooh. And have won 11 in a row after they beat, get this, they beat Toronto 14-8 to eight in 11 innings. Wow. That is a slugfest. <laughs> yeah. They uh, were tied 5-5 after 9. Both scored 2 in the 10th, and then Tampa scored 7 in the 11th. <laughs> that is an emphatic way to, uh, to win your 11th game. So I yeah. do not like the sound of Tampa Bay alone in first place. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll take a, what is it, a half game back for the Red Sox at this point? Yeah. That is it. Mm, okay. Well, you know, I don't like it. I don't like the sound of it. Um, but, you know, I'll take uh, being tied in the loss column with the Rays. Um, actually, wow. That means that the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Rays are all tied in the loss column as as we do this podcast. That is correct. Hmm. How curious. Okay. So before we get to that fun stuff, we're going to give you some news and notes to get you caught up on what's going on in Red Sox Nation right now. Uh, First bit of news is positive, Keaton. We have um, Christian Arroyo uh, being activated ahead of today's game as you're listening to this versus the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Michael Chavis has already been sent down to clear way for this uh, move. You know, originally, Keaton, I had a question on here about um, whether it should be Chavis or Franchi Cordero going down. Um, team obviously decided it was going to be Michael Chavis. I thought that was probably going to be the move, too. Um, but before we got on the podcast, you kind of mentioned that you thought it should have been uh, Franchi going down. You want to tell us why? Yeah. I would just like to see him get his bearings in AAA and maybe give it a give it another go after uh, you know planting his feet a little bit firmer. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't think Chavis was doing poorly. So um, I also expected that to be the move, but I was just, I was hoping, I think Franchi could use just a little bit of a refresher. Yeah. Um, just had a little, a tough go uh, to start. So um, I don't think it would have hurt him to maybe try and right the ship, triple A. Um, Chavis was doing just fine as a bench guy in that utility role. Um, so that was, I would just would have kind of liked to see that, but I'm not surprised that Chavis was the one that was sent down. Yeah, it, it certainly seemed like more of a question, especially now that uh, Kika Hernandez was back with the team who can play outfield and does play a lot of outfield. And Danny Santana was with the team after, you know, dealing with some injuries earlier in the year and, and looks pretty damn good as well. Um, so, 
you know, I thought that gave them a lot more uh, flexibility in the outfield uh, to be able to, you know, deal with having a guy like Chavis on the roster, a guy who can't really play the outfield as much. Yeah, I think having Marwin and um, Santana, though, I think that that covered it enough for me. Yeah. So I would have been fine with those guys, but I get it. Yep. Yeah, I think the team does see uh, Marwin as slightly more of an infielder than an outfielder. Um, Santana is a nice luxury, though, so we should talk about him a little bit. Um, He was finally added to the team. Um, We accurately predicted the move that would be made, not like it was a super... Super hard move to predict, but because Austin Bryce was struggling so much, but we did predict that he would be DFA'd, so that was uh, that was good that we got that one right, Keaton. So props to us. Um, and We're they so are, good. We are so good. They are uh, they are going with a four man bench now. So the bench is going to be uh, when uh, Arroyo is activated. The bench is going to consist of Danny Santana, um, Kevin Plawecki, um one of Marwin or Hunter Renfro, depending on the day, probably. Uh, and uh, then then uh, Christian Arroyo. So how do you feel about the new the new bench? I like it. I prefer the four-man bench. I, I mean, we talked about it pretty extensively on the last podcast that there's a couple guys in the bullpen that it was kind of doing more damage than good, having them take up the roster spot. Yeah. So... Um, I, I really wanted them to make that shift to go to the four-man bench and just kind of use their utility guys as they wish. So I'm glad that that was the move that was made. Yeah, I just want to make sure that, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, when they play National League teams in their parks, we're, it's it's going to be hard to get all these outfielders in at the same time with having to get JD's bat in the lineup. But I really want to see Hunter Renfro be almost a regular player in there i want to see him start at right field just about every single day um, because of how good the defense has been how good the arm has been um, the power that can kind of strike at any time and you know he's been a really important player i've been enjoying the hunter renfro experience pretty thoroughly um, especially you know with some of the other bats in that lineup like you know we've talked about franchi extensively um, so i won't rehash that but marwin hasn't been very impressive uh, with the stick either. So, you know, getting Renfro and Danny Santana into that lineup uh, as much as possible, I think is only a good thing. Yeah. And, um, JD Martinez defense, surprising. <laughs> uh, we, Shelly and I touched on it in one of the, the precaps. Um, the one after he made that awesome throw from left field. Yep. But yeah, I mean, he's had like on and off back issues, some soft tissue stuff. Uh, so it's been a long time since we've actually seen a healthy J.D. Martinez play outfield. Yeah. Forgot that he's a pretty serviceable fielder. Uh, I don't know if I agree. <laughs> I mean, serviceable is a low bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, if you have to see him play the outfield more than one night a week, I think you're you're probably asking for some issues. So, you know what? I'm happy to see uh, the, the little bit of success there, but, um, you know. It, it always makes me cringe a little bit because we all know how important that <laughs> bat is. Um, and, 
you know, how fragile uh, 33, almost 34-year-old J.D. Martinez is these days. So we want to make sure we keep that man healthy above everything else. Indeed. All right. Um, our next item on our agenda tonight is uh, talking about the the boys who are going to be joining the Olympic crew. Um, so Jaron Duran and Tristan Casas will be away from their minor league teams uh, for a few weeks playing in some U.S. Olympic qualifiers. Uh, the other name that I didn't put on this agenda, but who's also playing there, big name prospect as well, uh, Jeter Downs is going to be playing for the Columbia team. Um, so how do you feel? I guess the first question is, how do you feel about them taking advantage of this opportunity to go play for USA Baseball or in the you know, instance of uh, Downs, go play for his country, Colombia? Um, how do you feel about that? I like it. I think it's a unique opportunity, and um, there are some really good national teams out there. So they're going to get to play some really fun squads in a really interesting format. Uh, and I think them working with USA Baseball um, kind of to, to break up their usual process there is interesting as well. So, I mean, I kind of like it. The, I mean, the only thing I would be bummed about is if, like, well, I mean, I feel Jaron Duran's ready to be called up now. But um, so maybe it. <laughs> It delays that a bit, but um, I think it's kind of fun. And I think it'll be cool to see how they perform on a stage like that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and also, you know, an interesting fact about the Olympics, this is unique um, for the Olympics to have baseball uh, this time around. It's such an important sport uh, in Japan. You know, it's one of the most popular sports over there, if not the most popular sport in Japan. Um and so that's why it was actually chosen. So every for those who aren't familiar with the Olympic Games, um, you know the host country always has some leeway when it comes to choosing what uh, sports are going to rotate in there. Um, there's like there's the core sports obviously that are never going to leave, like track and swimming and stuff like that. But then there are a few sports that they kind of have some leeway with, uh, and they pushed really hard to get baseball in these Olympics. So there's just no guarantee. Um, that baseball will be in future Olympic games uh, after this. So it is a pretty unique opportunity. Um, I think if I was one of these guys, obviously, um, you know, not that athletic, but uh, if I was Casas or Darren, I would be jumping at the opportunity to represent my country in the Olympic games. That is just, that's a total bucket list item. Uh, Just super cool. But uh, you pointed out to me um, before we got on the podcast, just how bizarre uh, this roster looks so. Why don't, yep. why don't you fill us in about some of this weirdness? Yeah, I saw um, just a peek of who is on the team um, earlier, and there it is such a mix of like top prospects and guys you didn't know still played baseball, <laughs> um, like Matt Kemp, for example, yep. <laughs> uh, Mark Brepchinski, uh Anthony Ghost, Todd Frazier. Edwin uh, Jackson. Yeah, Edwin Jackson. I that was one that I just saw. Uh, Homer Bailey. And then Anthony there's Ghost like, appearing as a pitcher. Yeah, and then there's <laughs> Duran and Matthew Liberatore and Simeon Woods Richardson and Casas. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird mix. Um, you know, like you, you mentioned, a few of those guys, you know, the top prospect arms, Simeon Woods Richardson and Joe Ryan are – division guys it seems like this is 
you know, a bit of an AL East prospect party uh, here because <laughs> most of the top prospects are from the AL East with the exception of Matthew Libertor. But uh, it's it's kind of an interesting mix. Of, and he was uh, drafted by an AL East team. Yes, he was. Yeah, that's a good point. So they all the, have a the connection. Rays. They really do. Uh, I wonder if Libertor and Joe Ryan, uh, you know, called each other. Hey, you want to play on this team? They probably uh, still keep up that relationship. Um but yeah, it's a very interesting mix of guys who are like 40 and guys who are like 20. Um, and so hopefully the you know young guys can can learn from some of these guys who have been through it. You know, weeders and, and <laughs> just camp. saw that weeders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these guys have they've been through basically every baseball experience you can have. Uh, David Robertson is another one. Homer Bailey. Um, so. It's an interesting mix of guys, and I'm sure it'll be a great learning experience for them. And I have no idea what to expect from this. Like, you know, looking at these rosters without seeing what the final product is and uh, what the other team's rosters look like. Like, I have no idea if this is competitive, um, <laughs> but it, it should be interesting, at least. I'm definitely going to watch it. Let's just say that. Yeah. If Olympic baseball is on, I'm not changing the channel. <laughs> Unless yeah. it's for Red Sox baseball, but, you know. Uh, and then I'll just have to record it. But, you know, we hope, we wish those guys well. We hope they don't get hurt. Um, but speaking of our boy, Jaron Duran, uh, so I was watching the televised uh, minor league game between the Woo Sox and the uh, Bison, I think. I think that's what they are. Yeah, the AAA Bison. Um, and Franchi went 5-for-5 five five on Saturday, including two bombs, 480 and 475-foot home runs. He was a triple short of the cycle. Clearly a career day. The wind was blowing out. I will say that. But, like, I don't care how hard the wind's blowing. 480 feet, Keaton. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, those are some bombs, man. He's ready. <laughs> Bring him. He's ready. I mean, he's definitely not short on power. And I think that that's been the tool that, you know, when you talk to prospect uh, analysts before – the season that was the thing it was like well he came up as an infielder well it was kind of like a slappy swing and blah 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 and we all know he re- retooled his swing to do two things to get to pitches he couldn't get to inside and to get more power but i think people are still sleeping on how freakishly strong jern duran is like he is a an actual gym rat who was built like an adonis the dude is strong he is just he's ready man like i don't know I don't know if he's 100% ready to come up and be a great big league player yet because I think there's still a lot of swing and miss and contact rate is still an issue for him. It's still in the low 60% range, which is not what you want. It's a little bit scary low at this point and could be exposed. But uh, you got to like to see that this power is very legit in like talking about 20, 30 seasons, maybe even 30, 30 seasons. That is very much within the realm of possibility, considering the dude has lost pretty much no speed while he's gained all this power. He could be what we hoped Ellsbury was. Could he be 2011 Ellsbury? That's what I'm saying. I think like for more than a year he could be. I don't think his hit tool is quite there, but I think he could be counting stat version of Ellsbury. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, if you give me 30-30 with uh, 250 batting average, uh, yes, that's an all-star, right? Yep. For sure. Yep. I like I it. I think he could be better than that, too. I think he could be 270, 280. 
I think he could too. Um, I, I think there's still some rawness there uh, with the hit tool, and I think he can make adjustments. But yeah, it's uh, it's awesome to see. Um, so exciting. Franchi, though, is probably the uh, the guy who we have to look at. You know, every time we look at this roster, that's really the one spot where it's clear, you know, if, if Duran is going to come up, he's probably taking Franchi's spot. Um, Franchi is holding on, though. He is uh, he's like that that cat gif. Just hang on. You know, the you seen that one? <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, he he's doing that. Uh, he hit his first bomb of the season. It was the uh, per Sox uh, Red Sox stats. It was the hardest hit Red Sox home run ever recorded in the stat cast. There 117 miles per hour. It's like 470 feet. That was crazy. That was a crazy hit. Yeah, that'll work. The the thing is, I mean, this is what we had been told, right, at, when they acquired him. Yep. It's prodigious power. It's just not going to make a lot of contact. <laughs> so you may not you may not see it a lot. I'm shocked he's only run into one at this point in the year. You know, it's yeah. He's been I, on I, an all time slump uh, for him. You know, even looking at his. His past lines when he has been healthy and been playing, like he's never slumped like this. This is just it's it seems a little weird. It seems like it's in his head. Yeah, and that's why I thought maybe just getting his feet right in triple A would be would be nice, but I mean if they feel like he's starting to turn a corner, which I don't feel like <laughs> is the case. But yeah, I mean he's he's just got lots of work on. He does have a lot to work on. Uh, apparently, he needs me at these games because when I go to games, Franchi hits doubles, only doubles. So, um, apparently, I need to be a full credentialed member of the media uh, for Franchi to just start going going off. So, Indeed. Red Sox, if you're listening, uh, I will be looking in my mail for my credential. Thank you. Perfect. All right, uh, Chris Sale. So our last bit of news here, uh, he is reportedly progressing quite well. What do we know about Chris Sale's progress at this point, Keaton? Well, we knew that he recently threw off a mound, and he said he was very excited to feel like a pitcher again. All right, I like that. I like the idea of feeling like a pitcher. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right, um, so let's Real get quick. to the main event here. Oh, we got something? Yeah. Just want to... Just see if you know this, because I, okay. I did not. But there's one player on the Team USA roster who was not born in the United States. Do you know who it was? Edwin Jackson. It was Edwin Jackson. Wow. I, <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I scanned the list before I uh, came on the podcast and noted oh, the you happen odd, to notice that. <laughs> uh, German uh, birthplace. So, yes. Huh. Uh, but for the listeners out there, uh, where in Germany was he, was he born? Uh, he was born in New Ulm. Uh, know, yes, of course. Not New old Ulm. Ulm. New Ulm. In the spring, there's nothing like New Ulm. That's, you know, I don't know. I've never been there. The finest hops. All right. Let's get to the main event here, Keaton. Um, so we are going to break down the division. Um, and I already gave you the standing, so I won't re-up that. Blue Jays are in fourth place in the division. Orioles are predictably, uh, and as they should be, last place in the division at 17 and 29 heading into today when I made this. Blue Jays were 23 uh, and 22. Now they are 23 and 23. 
So we are going to go through our lineup, starters, bullpen, defense, and overall ranks for these teams in the division. Let's start with lineups. Keaton, who is your fifth best lineup in the division? Let's start worst to first. Baltimore. All right. No surprises there. I have Baltimore as well. They are just, there is not a lot to like here. Like I look at this lineup and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, Cedric Mullins, very good player. Uh, Trey Mancini being good again is awesome. That is so cool. He has 10 home runs and he's leading baseball or at least, uh, leading the American league in RBIs right now. But like, what else is there on that team? It's like Austin Hayes hasn't done it. Santander is like, eh, like, I don't know, man. This team kind of sucks. It does. Uh, is anybody, so let, let me just ask you before we move on from the Orioles, because there's not a whole lot to talk about with a, you know, team that's this bad. Obviously Mullins has been a good surprise. Trey Mancini is an awesome story. Santander should be better. But the guy who shocks me in this lineup, who's not hitting this year is Ryan Mountcastle. What the hell's going on with that guy? I have never been much of a Mountcastle guy. Interesting. Yeah. Why not? I never, I don't know, I just never really bought into it. Um, so this doesn't surprise you? I, I, I don't know about doesn't surprise me. Um, I thought he would be like a major league regular. And he's certainly not that at the moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just, if it's still early in his career. He's played less than 100 games. That's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know... If you look down at the prospects for this this uh, this team too, there's not a ton of sexy hitting prospects. There's Rutschman. Adley Rutschman, um, yeah. who you know we can all get excited about Rutschman. Um, he's great, but like, is there anyone else down in their system on the hitting side of things that gets you pumped up? No, they have really nice pitchers that I'm excited about, though. Yes, they do. So we will. Definitely touch on those guys when we get there. Uh, I, I guess I will say uh, Gunnar Henderson is another one who, you know, yeah, we can kind of dream on a little bit on the hitting side. Maybe Kobe, Kobe Mayo we can give a little bit of, uh, you know, condiment love to. <laughs> you see what I did there. Okay. I do see um, Yes. <laughs> who is your uh, second ranked lineup in the division? Or I should say, sorry, fourth, fourth ranked lineup in the division. So this was tough because the next three I did not think were separated by much at all, and I rearranged them a few times. But then I landed on New York. Interesting. Okay. Uh, You talked about New York and their terrible lineup on Dynasty Child, which you will hear out tomorrow morning. So hopefully you listen to this podcast and then go listen to that one. Uh, And you made a bunch of points about how terrible their offense is, and it's also always hurt. And so... That is what ultimately landed me with New York at four. But I don't think that at any order of the next three, I think, makes sense. And then the number one is a clear tier or two above the rest. I agree with everything you just said, um, except for I think Tampa Bay and New York are closer to each other than they are to Toronto. Uh, So I guess that's giving my list away a little bit. I had uh, Tampa Bay. As the fourth best lineup in the division. And I think the reason why um, is because Rosarena and Austin Meadows, I trust and they're good. And then I really don't like a whole lot on that 
on that team. Like, I like Brandon Lau. Um, G-Man Choi, good hitter-ish against righties for sure. Wall, Wendell, Mejia, Kiermaier, Margo. There's nothing to get excited about there. So there's really three guys to me that you have to watch out for uh, in that lineup. And when I look at the New York Yankees, I I agree with you, man. I made those points. Like, I made those points for a reason. But there's at least five guys I think you have to worry about in the Yankees lineup between LeMahieu, Voigt when he is healthy, which he is for now, Judge, Gio, Glaber, and uh, on the, like, fourth Saturday uh, per month when uh, Giancarlo is woken up from the IL, uh, he can be an interesting hitter. Yeah. I was going to ask you until I realized that this this exercise is literally looking at everybody's lineup or like everybody's roster spot. But I think it's funny that Manuel Marco is batting third in the Rays order. Yeah. And also that he's only 26 still. That's wild. You don't want Manuel Marco hitting third in your batting order. That is uh, it's a bad look. Uh, Yankees, though, on the prospect side of things, before we move on from from the Yankees, uh, they don't have a ton of super interesting upper minors hitters, but the Rays do. So that's a thing that could definitely sway it in favor of how you have it because the Rays have Vidal Brujan and Wander freaking Franco on the way. Yeah. That's pretty good. That is good. All right. So I'm guessing you had the Yankees uh, or the Rays third. I did. Okay. Do you want to talk about that team at all, or is there anything that I didn't mention with that squad? No, you pretty much covered it. Okay. And we pretty much talked about the Yankees, too. Uh, they were my three. Um, so let's talk about the top one. We we both had Toronto second. Yeah. Um, this lineup is awesome, man. I, I'm curious to, to hear, like, out of the, I don't know, let's just say four or five really good young hitters who are on this team, uh, who is your favorite out of this group? Uh, Vlad Jr. Okay, so you like Vlad more than you like Bo. I do. I do too. <laughs> I gotta be honest, man. The, it's hard to argue with what he's been doing this year. It's legitimately scary. He's he's batting 331, 444, 632 with 15 home runs. Yeah, and he's 22. <laughs> My word. Actually, you know what? That slash line that I just read is pre-today's game, so uh, it's better than that. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) And he hit uh, at least one home run that I saw. Well, he hit two, which bumped him from 13 to 15, but his slash line that I read is definitely out of, of, uh, it's better than 331-444 at this point. So it is, uh, that's pretty good, pretty good. Um, so, you know, Vlad is the young star, uh, Bo Bichette, also one of the young rising stars. He's having a really good year too. He's got nine home runs, seven stolen bases. Um, but a couple of the other guys who are really interesting on this team are in the outfield. Um, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel, uh, Lourdes is having a really bad year. Teoscar, who I have on like every team, uh, is having a very good year. He's batting 319, 373, 509. Where are you on Teoscar and Lourdes? Who do you like better out of that pairing? Well, coming into the year, it was Lourdes. I didn't think what Teoscar did last year 
um, was sustainable. He did it in a small sample size, and so I just wasn't really buying into it yet because everything before that, he really kind of struggled. But Gurriel looked pretty good. So in his in his runs where he was up there with Toronto, so um, but I think I've changed my mind because I think this is kind of proving what Hernandez did is sustainable. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm totally with that. I had uh, Tay Oscar ahead of Lourdes going into the year too, so I'm I'm happy to see this. Um, it is worth noting too that we're mentioning that lineup without their big offseason acquisition, George Springer, uh, who's dealing with a strained quad. So that further strengthens that lineup. That's actually. What separates it for me um, between these other teams? I think it, it's better than than New York and Tampa Bay, uh, and so do you. But yeah, I think it's I think it's at least a tier better at this point. And Biggio, and Biggio, and Kirk, Alejandro Kirk, yeah, the legend. We have to mention the Alejandro bowling ball. Kirk. Yeah, dude makes ridiculous amounts of contact. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So uh, we have the Red Sox as clearly the best lineup in the division. Both of Heck us. yeah. So, Keaton, you mentioned you think that they are even a tier above the Blue Jays. What does that for you? I mean, the core is better. And then just top to bottom, there's not – well, I mean, we just talked about Franchi, so maybe there's an easy out. But <laughs> there's there's very few easy outs in this lineup, top to bottom. I mean, this is what we knew was going to carry the team coming into the year, and that's exactly what they've proven. And they've all taken steps forward. <laughs> J.D. Martinez is back to being J.D. Martinez. Bogarts has taken another step forward. Uh, Verdugo's taken a step forward. And Devers has even taken a step forward, now actually hitting home runs before – uh, you know, we get to the 60th game of the year. So, like, the fact that the core was already good and they all took a step forward. Christian Vasquez, one of the best hitting catchers in the game. Tough outs at the bottom of the order. Yeah, it's at least a tier, maybe even two, ahead of those other other ones. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and I think that there's just a little bit less volatility in this lineup than there is with Toronto. You know, Toronto, I think has an argument when fully healthy and fully clicking to challenge the Red Sox in terms of pure firepower. Like if, if Biggio's going well, if Springer is doing Springer things, if this is really the real Tay Oscar, you know, plus the steps forward from Vladdy and, and Bichette, okay, that can challenge. But the fact of the matter is we have Verdugo setting the table with Kike playing pretty good, and then J.D. Xander endeavors their slugging percentages 592 602 592 mm. yep that's pretty tasty 
That works. Okay. And uh, all those guys are durable and play a lot of games. Uh, even JD over the last couple of years has been pretty durable. So, you know what? If uh, if you're getting those three boppers, um, they're, I don't know. I think that's it's got to be up there. Is it best lineup in the league? I don't know. Is it is it in the conversation? Definitely in the conversation. I mean, the Dodgers in San Diego are also loaded. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that would be... The two teams that I would look at, too, would be those two squads. And interestingly enough, the only uh, teams that have a better record than Boston, too. So, um, actually, the White Sox and Houston and the Dodgers, all by uh, Fangraph's war, are better than the Red Sox, who are fourth. I would take the Sox over any of those. Wow, very surprising. Tampa... It's fifth. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, that is no surprise. So just to recap, uh, our lineup ranks, we both have Boston one, Toronto two. Um, Keaton has the Tampa Bay Rays three. Uh, I have the Yankees three. I have the Rays four. Uh, He has the Yankees four. And then we both have Baltimore five. Let's move on to starting pitchers. Um, Who was your fifth ranked? Starting rotation. Baltimore. Yeah, same. Like, not even... I don't even know, is there even anything worth discussing here? John Means is kind of fun. John Means is awesome. Uh, I feel bad for John Means because it's John Means and then a bunch of dudes uh, who are... It's a bunch of like, is that a dude? Well, yeah. I mean, listen to this. Uh, John Means ERA, 1.70. That's very good, right? Uh, Guys behind him, 6.35, 6.00, 5.59, and 6.31. Woof. That's not going to do it. That is not going to do it. But you did mention that there are a couple prospects to look out for. So let's give uh, you know anybody here who has a relative in the uh, the Maryland area a little bit of hope. Uh, who are those prospects to keep an eye on? Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Grayson Rodriguez is on fire to start the season at uh, high A. He should be at double A like immediately. D.L. Hall is really good. And I also really like Zach Lothar, who uh, did, uh, I believe, he pitched against the Red Sox. He did pitch a game in the majors, but he's in AAA. I also like him a lot too. So, yeah, um, and Michael really... Bauman is interesting as well. Yeah, and I'm excited that they have gutted themselves um, and are committed to not messing up every single pitching prospect that they have. Um, and so far, it seems like that seems to be working with Rodriguez and Hall. So, those guys are really fun. They could they could have a really interesting pitching rotation, but it's still like two years away, which means John Means probably won't even be a part of it. Yeah. It's interesting. They're going to have a decision to make with John Means. You know, at his age, uh, he doesn't really fit. You know, he's 28 years old. I think you can make an argument either way. You can either look at him as a building block of the next good Orioles team or you can look at him as capital for the next good Orioles team. I think if I was the Orioles, I would lean towards trying to lock him up long term just because all of a sudden you could have a pretty interesting rotation if you had John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall because those guys are getting pretty close. Yeah. 
<clears throat> All right, let's move on to our uh, next team. Um, I had Baltimore five as well. Who'd you have number four in the division? Toronto. Same. Um, why'd you have Toronto four? What's the problem with Toronto? Hyunjin Ryu is very good. Mm-hmm. I really like Robbie Ray, but uh, he has a history of not being very good, even yeah. though he is good right now. I do not trust that man. Yeah, and that's that's why. Ryu is the only one that you can rely on here. The rest of them are all uh, playing above their, punching above their weight class or trash. Yeah, I totally agree. That, uh, that rotation is downright ugly stripling's awful um mats is not very good um and then they have two really good prospects on the pitching side that you know everybody probably knows especially if you follow prospects actually they have three really good ones but um simian woods richardson who we mentioned who's going to be playing on team usa he's getting close he's at double a uh, nate pearson who's at triple a has debuted um, but deals with bouts of wildness. And then Alec Manoa, who is absolutely destroying the minor leagues this year. He's actually getting the call for Toronto uh, to get his first start this upcoming week. Yeah. Uh, so that should be on June 1st, it looks like. Um, so some, Or actually, no. His first start's going to come against the Yankees. Whoa. Yep. Uh, 526. So. They also have a guy that I have had my eye on for four years, Eric Pardino. Mm, who yeah, pitched in like the him. World Baseball Classic as a 16-year-old and was mowing down major leaguers. Yeah, he's good. He's and really good. He just had Tiege, uh, which I guess thankfully for him came in like his age 18, 19 season. So I don't necessarily think it throws off a ton of his development. So I'm looking forward to him getting back on the mound. He's a guy I've, I am really excited about. Totally agree. There's a lot of very interesting young arms. So Toronto's rotation could improve pretty quickly. Um, who'd you have number three in the division? Tampa. We are lockstep, man. I had Tampa three as well. Um, what's holding them back for you? Because I'm used to having this discussion and having Tampa Bay ranked number one. Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of Glasnow, it's actually like a little inconsistent and super hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like they got... Uh, Patino's hurt, Chirinos is hurt, Archer has not, I mean, he's trash anyway, but maybe they can revitalize something. But McClanahan is just getting his t- first taste of the majors now. Waka is also trash. Uh, Yarbrough's a bit inconsistent, and Rich Hill had a really good start his last time out, but has been really inconsistent the last two seasons. So yeah. it's in what is normally a healthy, stable rotation in Tampa is not. Yeah, I think that was very well said. I just don't know how much you can trust McClanahan and Rich Hill, even though on a start-by-start basis, you know, on any given night, those guys can pitch really well. But how long are they going to go? What's the leash going to be for McClanahan, who was a reliever? You know, Rich Hill, he never pitches a lot of innings. He's 41 years old. And then Yarborough and Waka have sucked. So, yeah, it's the glass now show at this point. Yeah. Um, all right, so number two for both of us. Well, I don't know. What is your number two? Boston. Same. Okay. All right. We're the exact same right now. <laughs> um, this is where I thought we were going to have uh, the inconsistency because, we again, we had this conversation um, before and during Dynasty's Child, and I thought you had talked yourself into Boston. 
I almost did. Uh, and so I'll give my reasoning for having Boston second behind New York. Um, I think when Boston's rotation is uh, operating at maximum efficiency, when Eovaldi is good and healthy and Erod's good and healthy, Richards is good and healthy and Sale comes back, I think there's an argument for them to be better. Um, I think Martin Perez and Pavetta are punching a little bit over their weight class right now with how they are doing, how they are performing. Although I believe in Martin Perez a little bit more than I do Pavetta. Um, the Yankees, though, it's just tough for me to put them behind the Red Sox because they have the best pitcher, uh, maybe in baseball, in Garrett Cole. Um, Corey Kluber, until he gets injured, is pitching really well. Domingo Herman pitching really well. So what can I say? You know, I can't really. And, and they have Luis Severino, who is going to come back at some point, uh, presumably, to supplement this team at some point during the year as well. So that kind of is their version of Chris Sale, even though he's not as good. But, um, yeah, I, I couldn't. I felt like a little bit of a hypocrite putting putting Boston ahead of them, even though Boston's, I feel, is a little bit safer. I think the ceiling is lower. Yeah, that's pretty much the same thing for me. Like Cole and Kluber, like Kluber in particular being back to his, his the Klubot self uh, is huge. And I think those two are more reliable than any five the Red Sox have right now. Um, and I think the most reliable pitcher the Red Sox have right now is Martin Perez. And I think it's, it's tough to have that be your most reliable pitcher and be the best rotation in the division. So, yeah. Had to get to New York. I could see this very easily flipping if Sale comes back healthy and if Tyon, Kluber, and Herman, you know, uh, get injured, which, you know, is something that those guys often do. So I could see it. Um, However, I just can't do it yet. So Yankees number one. We were the exact same there. I assume we're going to match up a little bit as well when we look at bullpens. So let's move over to the bullpens right now. Who's your fifth-ranked bullpen? Not Baltimore. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Explain. Toronto. Wow. You... There's nothing what? good at all about Toronto's bullpen. Okay. So why do you like Baltimore's better? Because I'm looking at Baltimore's bullpen, and I'm like, this is, this is really bad. I mean, it's not good, <laughs> but I'd say Toronto's <laughs> is worse. <laughs> well, I guess Baltimore's has had relative health, but like, dude, I'm looking at these ERAs in this bullpen. It's not good. No, it's not. <laughs> and um, really, it's uh, Toronto has the by war has the worst bullpen in the division. And that was kind of what did it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore is actually a top 10 bullpen by war. Interesting. Number eight. I'm not sure I'm buying into war on this one. The thing for me that, that swayed it, because I, I have uh, Baltimore fifth and I have Toronto fourth. I agree that they're both bad bullpens, but I like uh, Romano, Chatwood, Dolis, AJ Cole. You know, I like all those guys. I think they're all pretty good. Um, and I think that, you know, they'll get Merriweather back at some point off of that strained oblique. 
David Phelps was pitching really well before he went down with that lat injury. So I expect those guys to come back at some point. And at that point, like, I think you got three or four guys who are better than anybody in that Baltimore pen. Yeah, but I think, I mean, you just named everybody that's on the 60-day IL. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so that's that's why, like, yeah, their best bullpen is on the shelf. So that's why it's just, uh, it just couldn't do it. I it's, mean, it, uh, you're right. Baltimore's is trash, and it's, it's also not good. But yeah, I think I, I give it a slight edge there. Uh, you know, Keaton, I would be a hypocrite because I uh, I do preach all the time that the best ability is availability. So you know what, I I agree that uh, you have a point there. Um, so, well, who's your third ranked bullpen? Tampa. Okay, this is interesting, Keaton. I went back and forth. I put Tampa third, and then I put them second. And then I put them third, and then I put them second. So my third-ranked bullpen is Boston. Um, why do you have Tampa Bay below Boston? Because this was tough for me. Same reason. Their, their best bullpen is on the shelf. Nick Anderson, Chaz Rowe, even Jalen Beeks, they were getting good stuff out of him. Cody Reed, they're all hurt. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> um, and all, they get negative like 20 points in this bullpen too for having jeffrey springs and colin McHugh as part of it because i'm just having like disastrous flashbacks uh from last (laughs) year having to watch jeffrey springs um but i do like the top of tampa bay's bullpen and this is what did it for me is like diego castillo pete fairbanks andrew kittredge uh jp fearson who they just acquired all very interesting arms at the top of their bullpen. Well, I think Matt Barnes is better than any of those guys. I think that those guys might be better than anybody who's not Matt Barnes in the Red Sox bullpen. Maybe. I'm not sure, but maybe. Yeah, I think that's not a bad argument. I mean, Tampa is always has strong pitching unless they're hurt but uh and particularly in the bullpen and yeah fairbanks is really good castillo is really good they probably i mean they definitely have more than one guy that you is, is super reliable but the red sox bullpen just really surprised me this year yeah i agree and i also think that i i've mentioned this before on the show i haven't been really thrilled with how sawamora has been used too so i think that if we started to see sawamora and whitlock used a little bit more frequently i might lean a little bit more towards the red sox bullpen here but you know if there's any area of concern to me on the red sox team it is the bullpen so that's that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm a little bit more worried about injuries. I still question the validity of Phillips Valdez. Josh Taylor, I've been very encouraged by what I've seen from him in June. Um, But, you know, until those usage patterns are figured out and until I can really trust Adam Ottavino towards the back end, I'm going to have some questions about this bullpen. Yeah, I don't blame you. I just feel like they've been so strong this year, and maybe they've been punching above their weight class too. But I just that I mean it's not a small sample size of bullpen innings uh, at this point with 170. So I, I felt a little bit better. Interestingly yeah. enough, Baltimore uh, by WAR has a better 
bullpen than Tampa Bay. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting to me. But that didn't sound right to me, so I flipped them. Yeah, same. War was only so helpful when it <clears> comes to, to taking a look at the pitching staffs in the bullpens. Yeah. I mean, in Boston, um, War loves the Red Sox bullpen as second best in the American League uh, to, I assume, who we... Well, yeah, I mean, at this point, we know who we both had number one. <laughs> yeah, so. we both had the Yankees one. Yeah, both New York teams and then Boston. Yeah. So um, the Yankees, obviously, at the very back end, have Aroldis Chapman, who's locked down that role for a long time. Jonathan Luiza, who they tried as a starting pitcher, uh, is really anchoring down the eighth inning role for that team. Chad Green pitching well in the late innings. Justin Wilson looking okay this year, although he's having a little bit of a down year. But the thing is, like, they have that solid back end, plus they're getting Darren O'Day back soon. And they're going to get Zach Britton back at some point during the season, too. And Zach Britton would close for, like, I don't know, 20 other teams in the league? Yeah. So Yankees are just a an embarrassment of riches there. And they also have, like, five guys in the minor leagues right now who could probably come up and be locked down relievers. They're really good at developing relief pitchers. All right. So predictably, uh, we have the Yankees one. Let's get to team defense. This was one of the more interesting ones, and I'm sure that this is one of those categories where we might differ a little bit. So let's go to our team defense ranks. Who'd you have fifth? Baltimore. All right. Wow, that's a big difference between us. Okay. Big Uh, difference. Yeah, I had Toronto fifth. Oh, yeah, that's a big difference. Okay. So what uh, led you to have... Uh, Baltimore fifth in terms of defense. So basically my rankings are all based off of defensive runs saved, Mm -hmm. um, which probably isn't great to just zero in on one category, but that was what I chose to do. Uh, And Baltimore is significantly behind the rest of the division at negative 11 on the season so far. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um. I ended up doing it a couple different ways when I looked at team defense. So first of all, I looked at uh, total team defensive rating, which is the Fangraphs metric that includes a whole bunch of stuff like arm, range, UZR, all this stuff. Um, And I also looked at just plain errors, you know, how many errors the teams have committed. And then I looked at um, UZR itself as well to try and figure out where these teams were and uh toronto consistently on all of the things i looked at uh graded out towards the back end here and i think part of that for toronto has been the fact that they haven't had a lot of uh health from springer this year they really haven't gotten a lot from springer um Bo makes some errors vlad is not a great first baseman tay oscar is not a great fielder um Yeah, I guess I just feel a little bit less confident in them than I do. Because, like, Kevin's also a bad fielder, too, when he's up. So they've got some guys who are questionable. Yeah, I suppose they do. I just, um, yeah, I mean, I guess when you narrow it, narrow the scope like me, then that's going to taint some stuff. So those aren't bad arguments. 
So, um, yeah, Baltimore. I, you know, I'm looking at that team. So uh, we'll we'll spoil some stuff here. I have Baltimore as my second ranked team, just oh, wow. because they graded out so well, um, and they are a pretty young team as well. That's the other thing that kind of factored into this for me is just that. You know, the age of the guys who are in their lineup, they're all pretty young and, and, and pretty athletic. Um, the oldest guy in, in Baltimore's lineup is Freddie Galvis at, at shortstop. Um, I like I like Mullins. I like Hayes in the outfield. Santander's okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they don't blow me away. They don't blow me away. Who'd you have number four, Keaton? New York. I also had New York. They have a lot of good hitting players, but not so much on the fielding. Yeah, I would I would go as so far as to say they have some pretty bad fielders. I don't think Labor's good at shortstop. Gary is not a good catcher. Brett Gardner's too old to be playing every day in the field. Clint Frazier's a butcher. Uh Judge Judge in like LeMayhew and Geo are the only guys who I think are legitimate fielders. Yeah. Um, of the nine positions on the diamond, uh, the Yankees only have a positive defensive run saved at two positions. Can you guess which ones they are? Uh, right field and third base. Third base is correct. Right field uh, is a zero. Oh, interesting. So I didn't count that as positive, but shortstop is the other one. Plus one. Wow, so Glaber has graded out positive. He has. That's interesting. At least yeah. for now. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. Give him That's... a little more time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we agree there. Not the most athletic team. Um, they consistently graded out towards the back end for me on all three of the measures that I looked at as well. Uh, who was your number three team in terms of team defense? Toronto. Okay. So we talked about them. Um, why do you like them a little bit more than I do? Because, um, so looking at this this defensive run saves, they actually have positive defensive runs saved like all over the, the chart, but okay. they have a massive hole for some reason at pitcher oh. <laughs> at minus six and center field at minus four. That's really weighing them down. The rest are all basically like plus two, plus three, zero, zero, plus two, plus three. So they're, you know, it's, Steady. It's a steady fielding group. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the names on that list, too, especially when they get Springer back, um, solidifying center field, that's going to be better. You know, everything will be better there. And I like the idea of having Marcus Simeon at second base, a guy who was a natural shortstop, too. He's very athletic, makes some good plays. So, And Vlad with the, the dropped weight looks looks better out there. Not perfect, but better. Um, I had Boston number three for my team defense, and I I just think that Boston, um, I think they have the potential to be better than I had them ranked. I don't think Kike is an amazing fielder. I love Verdugo's defense. I love the consistency of Xander Bogarts, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, Christian Vasquez I love. Bobby, I've been impressed with his defense at first base. Although he does make he does miss some plays, especially plays towards the first baseline. I feel like that's a little bit of a weakness for him. Devers, I think, is where 
I don't hate Devers' defense. I'm definitely not one of those people. I've been a big Devers defense defender. But I do think that they do sometimes make errors, and Devers is the guy who is kind of a little bit more prone to that. So if he can continue to be on a stretch like he is where he's not making those throwing errors or fielding errors, I feel a whole hell of a lot better about this defense um, than I did at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a bit of a jolt right out the gate because he struggled very quickly. Yeah. But we've always seen him bounce back, and he's bounced back incredibly strong. He really has. Yeah. He's been he's been great. Um, so, yeah, I think there's an argument to have them higher. So where do you have them defensively at Boston? Number two. Number two. Okay. I had Baltimore, too. Um, I won't rehash Baltimore, but is there anything uh, you want to say about the Red Sox defense? No. I mean, we pretty much covered it. Okay. And so that leaves us with the same number one, Tampa Bay. What yeah. happened there? Well, by defensive run saves, Tampa Bay is number four mm-hmm. overall in all of the major leagues. And the rest of the division is all bottom half, 16 or worse. Yeah. So they're really just kind of head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, they are. They just have so many athletic guys, too. Kiermaier, I mean, we know what kind of a fielder he is. Joey Wendell is very athletic. Brandon Lau. Margot, Austin Meadows. Yeah, it's a it's a great defensive team. And also the, the ability that they have to bring guys off their bench that are good uh, defensively as well. You know, Brett Phillips and Zunino and Yandi, it's it's a good group. It's it a is. very, very versatile group. Before we move on to the overall, there's three interesting things that I noticed, not just about the AL East, but about all the major leagues. Uh, sure. Looking at defensive run save. There is one team who has a positive defensive run save so far this season, but had a negative defensive run save while shifting. Huh. Can you name that team? Oakland? No, but <laughs> so they actually, <laughs> there's three teams that have a negative uh, defensive run saved while shifting. Oakland is one of them. But okay. overall, they have a negative, so they, they did not fit this criteria. St. Louis huh. Cardinals. Interesting. Plus 19 overall, negative during shifts. So maybe they should just play straight up. Yeah, I think when you have Nolan Arenado, you should never move him. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Kansas City Royals, negative six defensive runs saved while shifting. By far the worst in all of the major leagues. And then um, there is one team who has negative eight defensive runs saved from their pitchers, which, again, by far the most in the major leagues. Can you name that team? Is it Toronto? It is our Boston Red Sox. Wow. They've been that bad? (laughs) Yep. I guess we won't have any gold glove winners at pitcher this year. (laughs) Nope. Who was the guy who used to win that for the Sox? Was it Wakefield? I feel like it that was Wakefield. Well, yeah, because he has like three times as long as any other pitcher to set himself and get ready to field. <laughs> all right. So let's move over to our overall rankings here. Those were all interesting tidbits, Keaton. Uh, who'd you have as your fifth ranked team? Yeah. So I did this very analytically and just added up all my scores. And the lowest total was my number one. Um, and then, you know, highest total was my number five, which was Baltimore. All right, I had Baltimore as well. Who's your number four? Toronto. Same. 
Number three? Tampa. Same. Number two? New York. Same. Number one? Boston. Boston Red Sox. Okay. So this is, I kind of wish we had done this before the last week's roundtable because it was basically like rank the four teams in the division going forward. Right. Uh, And I was like, I don't feel great about how the Red Sox have kind of come back to earth. New York and Tampa gain ground. I feel like they're a wild card team. Had I actually taken an in-depth look at everyone's roster in the division, I would have had a different answer. (laughs) Yeah. Um. I did. <laughs> That's why I had Boston number one. Well, good uh, for I, you. I thought it was kind of crazy that I was the only one on the staff that had Boston number one because I'm like I am a I am addicted to roster resource. That is like my yeah. my thing that I'm always looking at. I probably look at it more than anything else. So I'm constantly comparing these teams. Um, so I'm glad that I am just not an irrational homer, Keaton, in that you did this activity too and as a smart logical person you arrived at the same conclusion as i did i did and we had um a handful of major differences too yeah yeah and even with those differences we arrived at the same overall ranks moving forward so you know if boston can sure up some of those weaknesses specifically in the pen and and uh you know uh, maintain health and get sale back in this rotation it's gonna be gonna be a hell of a year sure is all right, we got two questions today. Um, one from Gavin Blackburn, uh, and he says uh, the Red Sox have a lot of comeback wins. How sustainable do you think that is going forward? I think it's sustainable because the offense is so good. It, um, you know, that's kind of like what it, their bullpen has also been like locked down in situations where they've needed to come back. Uh, for the most part, they really haven't let anybody run away with a game all that often. So. Um, the bullpen being a lot better and the offense just being who they are and being able to go put up seven, eight, nine, ten 10 runs any given night. That's they're never going to be out of a game. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention there too, and I agree with you, the offense is just so good that they can come back and uh, this takes into any, any time that they are down in the game. You know, this is, even if it's very early on, like first, second, third inning, um, you know, the, it counts as a comeback win if they do come back to take the lead at any point there. The other thing that I want to mention, too, though, is that the Red Sox uh, have the best home run differential in the league. Their starters don't allow a lot of home runs. Their pitchers overall do not allow a lot of home runs, yet they get a lot of home runs. So uh, that factored together is going to lead to a lot more comeback wins. So I do think that you know, it's probably not sustainable to have the rate of comeback wins that we have. I think it's like 60-something percent of their wins are comeback wins at this point. That's probably not sustainable moving forward. But this rate is much more sustainable than it sounds because of the way the team's built. Yeah. Um, the big man has our last question of the night. Uh, he says, can we officially regret the Benintendi trade? Well, I think you and I had two different uh, angles on this one. I regretted it immediately mm-hmm. because I wasn't ready to give up on him, and I thought having a full healthy season, he would be back to his Benintendi self, which he absolutely is in Kansas City, slashing uh, 290, 355, 381. Uh, three homers, six steals, which is pretty nice. Um, his 
like all of his Statcast data is back as well. Uh, exit velocity, eighty nine miles an hour is point two miles an hour away from his career best. He's has a career best hard hit rate this year, which is uh, even better than his twenty eighteen season. So he's he's squaring the ball up and he's he is refreshed. And and I think your whole point was it was too much in his head in Boston and he needed to be somewhere else in order for this to happen. I felt like this could still happen in Boston. So uh, that I think coupled with Franchi's struggles, I mean, I know we won't know the full extent of the trade for another, well, actually it's gotta be like a few days, right? I thought it was at the end of the month. Yeah. I think that is coming up soon. So so shortly we should know who they are, but I don't, I think we, we figured they weren't going to be like deal breaking prospects because they're all, to be named later guys maybe slightly better than your usual to be named later but still to be named later so i think i want to wait and see because they did get you know more back in that deal but i thought that benintendi could be this benintendi that he is in kansas city and boston so i'm bummed about it yep and you nailed my point exactly keaton i didn't think that it was possible for him to revert back to this here i think he was a clear change of scenery guy um, so if I think I think if he was here, he would be struggling still. So I'm going to take the movement and uh, roll the dice with Franchi and whoever the hell we get uh, in this package. And you know what? Josh Winkowski looked pretty good uh, down in the minor leagues. So he's, he's an interesting guy at least. All right, that does it for our show. We do appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to us, uh, and um, you know, rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. Tune into all the different shows on our network. We've got the Precap Podcast. We've got the Red Sox on Deck Prospect Podcast. We have the Over the Monster Podcast, and obviously the Red Seat, the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you. Thank you, and we'll be with you next week. 